Welcome in to episode 22 of College Sports Today here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal joining you as always. We want to give you a special thanks as well for taking the time to join us as well. As always, we have a jam-packed show. We have so much to talk about, and I say that every single week to you guys, but it's absolutely true. We're going to be talking tonight, as we did two weeks ago, all about March Madness, all about college basketball, because right now we have the final four set in NCAA men's basketball and NCAA women's basketball with the tournaments. And we're going to be going into all of that coming up. We'll go over Elite Eight results. We'll preview the final four games as well. Tons of great programs playing. So many recognizable at this time of the year that are used to playing for championships. And that's what we're going to be doing here tonight. All college basketball, like I said, Elite Eight results, some Final Four previews as well. going to be very exciting to get into all of it. We'll have the men's tournament results and all of that in segment one, and then we'll get to the women in segment number two. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it with the men's college basketball tournament and the Elite Eight results. And we're going to go back first and take a look at a game in the South region between two-seed Villanova and five-seed Houston. The Wildcats obviously very used to playing this deep in the tournament and playing it this time of the year. And so are the Cougars. They made a Final Four appearance last year, and they've started to really resurrect that program over there the last five, six years and have become one of the best teams in the country. Another 30-plus win season for Houston this year. And this is a South region that we talked about a couple of weeks ago as we saw maybe Arizona coming out as the number one seed playing a Villanova or a Tennessee. Villanova ended up getting there to this point against Houston, who beat Arizona, the number one seed in the Sweet 16. So Houston getting to this point was definitely something that not a whole lot of people expected. Everyone thought it was going to be Arizona coming out here. I think everybody expected Villanova to get to this point. And they move on to yet another Final Four. They took down the Cougars 50-44. to This game, as well as the Duke-Arkansas game in the West region, both on March 26th, last Saturday, for the Wild Wildcats, Jermaine Samuels, 16 points, 10 rebounds. Caleb Daniels was also in double figures as well. Justin Moore had eight points. However, he suffered a season-ending knee injury in the second half and will not be able to play for them for the remainder of this season. Houston was led by Tajay Moore. He had 15 points. In addition, he had 10 rebounds as well. Jamal Shedd, great season at the point guard position. He had nine points here in this one. Jawan Roberts had seven as well. 32-6 and six season for Houston. Incredible year yet again. But remember, this is something that we've talked about here on the show when we've talked about the Houston Cougars is that they have a lot of talent and they're really well coached by Kelvin Sampson, but they missed Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark for most of the year. They're two best guards. Jamal Shedd had to step up into an elevated role and he did outstanding in that role, playing the lead point guard spot. But if they had Sasser and if they had Mark, I believe that they probably would have won this game. They could have won this basketball game against a Villanova team who, like Houston, with those injuries, not quite as deep. This is certainly not as deep a Villanova team as other seasons. And for them to push through, get to the Final Four, very impressive. Without a huge game from Colin Gillespie, it was Jermaine Samuels who had 16-10 and 10 to lead. And uh, Gillespie played in a support role. We're used to seeing him being the lead man for them. But that's a good sign that they can win without Colin Gillespie having a huge game. 
and Justin Moore, eight points, but again, season-ending knee injury. It was just one of those scenarios where you hear something pop in your knee, and it's a non-contact thing, and that's when those ACL, MCL injuries come up, and unfortunately for Justin, that was the case. Um, As for Villanova, perfect from the free throw line, 15 of 15. They assisted on 6 of 15 made field goals. But remember, they didn't shoot the basketball well from the floor, though. 15 of 52, Houston, not much better. 17 of 57, they were 1 of 20 from the three-point line. Both teams were hovering right around 30% from the floor. So defense was king here in this matchup. It just came down to Houston's inability to hit shots late. They had opportunities late in the game to make things happen and maybe try to squeak out this victory, but that was not the case. So Villanova, they were the first team into the Final Four. Then number two seed Duke took down number four seed Arkansas 78-69. to This was the game in the West region. And a name that we've talked about here on College Sports Today a ton over the last couple of months, really since the college basketball season started, is A.J. Griffin, small forward for the Duke Blue Devils. I've talked about all season how if Coach K could get him into the game more and utilize his strengths, which his biggest strength is his ability to shoot the three-point shot, if you play him 25, 30 minutes a night, Duke is going to have a much better chance to win. And Coach K has really been utilizing him in the tournament. And that's something that I, again, was lobbying for all season, and we're starting to see it. 18 points to lead the way. Really throughout this entire tournament, he's been automatic from three. It's going to be a splash almost every single time. Paulo Bancaro, Wendell Moore, the two most consistent players for Duke this whole season, 16 and 14 each. Mark Williams had 12 points. He also had 12 rebounds as well. Jeremy Roach and Trevor Keels were both just outside double figures with nine points. Arkansas, they finished their season at 28-9 and overall. Jalen Williams led the Razorbacks with 19 points and 10 rebounds. And for Duke, this entire game, they shot very comfortably. 54.7%, 29-53 for the game, and 16-18 of from the free throw line. And Arkansas was great from the free throw line as well. Both teams were drawing a lot of fouls. But it was just Duke having a little bit more late. And the play of Bancaro, the big shots from A.J. Griffin, that's really what sealed it for them. And whenever you're shooting almost 55% from the floor, you're going to have a great chance to win. And this is a high-octane offensive team that Coach K has with Duke. The question coming into the tournament was, can they defend? Can they be consistent enough on the defensive end? And I think we saw some spurts here in this game where they showed a lot of potential on that side of the ball. And everybody's starting to grow up on this Duke team. Every year, they're so young and raw coming in with all the freshman talent, no matter how high the rank is. These guys are raw coming in, and they're going to need molding. And we've started to see these guys develop and get better, especially through this NCAA tournament. After a loss to North Carolina, that raised a lot of questions to finish the regular season. After a loss to Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game, those losses, those games really were the best thing to ever happen to Duke, I think, because they came in with a renewed focus here in this tournament, and they learned from their mistakes. And with young players, that's always a challenge to be able to learn from those losses and get more out of them in that next game. If you're able to play another game in this NCAA tournament, it's win or go home. And there's been some moments with Duke where we felt maybe that they could go home. The Texas Tech game was really close. This was a competitive game, but Duke had the control most of the way, especially late in that second half. So Duke is into the Final Four where they're going to play none other than their arch rival, their bitter rival, North Carolina. 
I mean, even Hollywood couldn't write this. They couldn't script this. Duke and North Carolina in the Final Four in Coach K's last season? I mean, this is just crazy stuff here that we're seeing with college basketball in this Final Four. It's going to be Duke and North Carolina. And North Carolina is in the Final Four by way of a victory against number 15 seed St. Peter's. A couple of weeks ago, when we talked about St. Peter's here on the show, we talked about that they beat the Kentucky Wildcats in the first round. They then went on to beat Murray State in the second round and Purdue in the Sweet 16 to get all the way to the Elite Eight, the furthest a 15 seed had ever gone, the furthest a seed that low had ever been in the NCAA tournament. Florida Gulf Coast and Oral Roberts were number 15 seeds that made it to the Sweet 16, but that's where their seasons ended. St. Peter's made it to the Elite Eight, but again, fell to North Carolina 69-49. And the biggest thing for St. Peter's here in this game was really two things plagued them here. 30% shooting, they went 18 of 60 from the floor. In addition to that, they were out-rebounded 49-33 by North Carolina. 22 of those rebounds came courtesy of Armando Baycott for the Tar Heels. He also had 20 points as well. Was an absolute beast here in this game. Brady Manick had 19. Caleb Love had 14 as well. And this is a North Carolina team that was coming off an exhausting game against UCLA, where Caleb Love had 30 points, went off in the second half, and was just outstanding. So for them to bring it and put it all together here in this game and move on to the Final Four against a upstart St. Peter's team with a ton of good players. Shaheen Holloway did an incredible coaching job this year. He has since moved on to take the Seton Hall job where he played back in the day. So the run at St. Peter's for uh, Shaheen Holloway is now over, but nobody's going to ever forget the run that this team made. An incredible season for them. Nobody believed that they would make that run except themselves. And uh, you got to give credit to them for what they did. But North Carolina was just the better team. 25 of 61 from the floor, 13 of 21 from the free throw line. They got to clean that up a little bit when they go on to play Duke, but great win for Carolina. So we talked about Villanova, Duke, and North Carolina. The last team in the Final Four is Kansas, number one seed out of the Midwest region. They took down 10 seed Miami, 76-50. Something that we talked about in our tournament preview and something all the other pundits were talking about as well was, hey, we could see Kansas and Auburn or Kansas and Wisconsin in that Elite A matchup. Well, that's not what happened because Wisconsin ended up falling to Iowa State and Miami beat Auburn. So we saw Iowa State and Miami, two double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16, and Miami came out and they had a great first half here in this game. Looked like they maybe could pull another upset, do the improbable, just like St. Peter's did. But it was 76-50 Kansas, Ochai Abaji, 18 points to lead, David McCormick had 15, Christian Brown had 12, and for Miami... Finished the season 26-11. Great run for Jim Laranaga's team. Cameron McGusty, 18 points. Isaiah Wong had 15. But again, just like we talked about with North Carolina, Kansas owned the boards here in this game. 41-28 on the glass. They forced 14 turnovers, and they had 18 assists on 29 made field goals. So with that win for them, they are going to face Villanova in the Final Four. So we get Kansas and Nova, Duke and North Carolina. And at this point, I think any of these four teams could win the championship. I mean, all of them are playing that good right now. You know, Villanova lost Justin Moore. That's a huge, huge thing to watch coming in. I think that really lessens their chances. I like Kansas coming out of that game. Now, Duke and North Carolina, because of the rivalry, because of just the tradition of that matchup and the mindset that guys get into, whether you're playing for Duke or North Carolina, 
the mindset you get into when you know you're playing that team, that rival squad, it's just something different. So it really could go either way. But you're looking at Kansas. Again, Orville Nova, Jay Wright is one of the best coaches in the country. He could definitely lead his team there. So, I mean, looking at Kansas and either Duke or North Carolina, I see Duke and Kansas in the championship game because after every round, everybody kind of re-picks the teams that they think are going to get there. And uh, at this point, I'm looking at Duke KU in that championship game. But Villanova, North Carolina, great teams as well. And uh, we have a ton of really great championship game combinations that we could potentially see. So very excited for all of that in men's college basketball with our Elite Eight results and our Final Four previewing. We're going to do the same thing after this break in women's college basketball. We had epic games, epic performances. We're going to go into all of it with the Elite Eight results, the Final Four previewing as well. Again, that's on the other side of this break. Don't miss it. You're listening to College Sports Today on WLRZ 99.3 FM. We'll be right back. back into college sports today rolling into our second segment here on our 22nd episode back in segment one we just talked about men's college basketball and the elite eight results and we gave our final four preview and our predictions as well we're doing the exact same thing for women's college basketball as well this tournament has really been one of the greatest tournaments on the women's side that i've seen in quite some time and i've watched women's college basketball for the last six or so years and I've covered it for about the last four. And I can tell you that I've been able to see so many incredible games, so many incredible performances with great players from a variety of teams, UConn, Baylor, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Notre Dame, the, the list goes on and on of the amount of great games that unfortunately not everyone has been able to see in women's college basketball. And this year we saw a more concerted effort from the NCAA to give coverage to the women's tournament and label it as March Madness and have some equity. And that's a whole nother topic. But again, it's just been incredible to see the growth of the game and the viewership and everything going up. And for good reason, because this tournament has been, like I said, absolutely outstanding. And we had an outstanding Elite Eight with some of the best teams in the country. If you track women's college basketball, if you follow it like I do, you hear the big names, UConn, Stanford, South Carolina, list goes on. These teams are competing for national championships every single year. And all of those teams, plus more, were in this Elite Eight. And we're going to start with the game in the Greensboro region. We're going to start with our first two games, actually, uh, from Sunday, March 27th. In the Greensboro region and the Spokane region. In the Greensboro region, it was top overall seed South Carolina, taking on number 10 seed Creighton by a score of 80-50. to 50. Creighton is a very interesting basketball team in that this year in this tournament, they were able to upset a number of teams, including Iowa and Iowa State, to get to that point, to get to the Elite Eight. And they pulled out a game against Colorado in the first round as well. So they get to the Elite Eight, but they run into a juggernaut in South Carolina. Again, 80-50 to 50 the final score. 
what really plagued Creighton here in this game, and this is something that we talked about with the men's results as well, teams that can dominate the glass are going to have a really, really great chance to win. We talked about that with Kansas and North Carolina. And South Carolina is a team here on the women's side that can do that exact same thing. 43-23, they out-rebounded Creighton. They've almost out-rebounded everybody they've played this season. Not only did they have that, they shot 50% from the floor, 28 of 55, 21 of 27 from the free throw line. They got there on a regular basis. Creighton, on the other hand, didn't shoot as well. 37.5%, that's not terrible, but it's not at that 50% clip that we saw South Carolina shooting at. They only got to the free throw line five times, made one of those, 7 of 21 from three, just not the game that they were hoping for. Lauren Jensen had 12 points and had a nice effort, but South Carolina, the better team by far. Aaliyah Boston, 19.7 rebounds. Destiny Henderson, Bria Beal, they had 12 apiece, and Victoria Saxton had 11 points and 11 rebounds as well. And that's a good sign for South Carolina because Boston usually gets her double-double, and we expect that. But if Saxton can chip in with this type of performance consistently, that's going to give them a much, much better chance to win against their opponent, which will be the Louisville Cardinals. We'll talk about Louisville coming up in a moment, but first I want to get to Stanford and Texas. This was the second game on March 27th, back Sunday. 59-50, Stanford got this win into the Final Four as pretty much everybody expected. Lexi Hall had 20 points here for Stanford in this one. Haley Jones had 18 points, 12 rebounds. She played all 40 minutes here in this contest and, again, delivered a great performance. Cameron Brink, 10 points, 6 boards. Fran Belibi, 7 points and 11 rebounds. Stanford in this game, 45-28 edge on the glass, 18 of 22 from the free throw line. They did not shoot well from 3, only 3 of 17, 19 of 51 overall from the floor, and they had 20 turnovers. So some good and some bad there for Stanford. The way they clean the glass, outstanding, just like we talked about with South Carolina. But they have had turnover issues this season. 20 here in this game. And 3 of 17 from 3, not going to cut it either. But again, South Carolina and Stanford both winning their games there against Creighton and Texas, respectively. Great season for Texas. Exceeded all expectations coming into the year. And so many players stepped up and had career years. Rory Harmon, 14 points, what she did coming in as a freshman, a true freshman, to have the impact that she had on this team, absolutely incredible. Audrey Warren, Joanne Allen-Taylor, 11 and 15 points respectively here in this game. Those two had great seasons. Texas is going to continue to recruit well. They're going to be back. I don't think it's going to be long before they make a Final Four coming up. They're just that good, and they're that well coached by Vic Schaefer. But again, Stanford getting the better of them there in that matchup. So SC and Stanford were the first teams to move on. Again, winners from the Sunday games. On Monday, we had some incredible stuff as well. March 28th, Bridgeport and Wichita Regional Finals we had. And boy, were they outstanding. First, let's start with the Bridgeport Regional Final. Number two seed UConn and number one seed North Carolina State. There was a lot of talk coming in with this game about how it was a home game for UConn, playing just about an hour away from campus in Bridgeport against an NC State team who had to travel all the way there to basically play a road tournament game. UConn didn't have to travel more than an hour. So for them, it was a UConn-heavy crowd. Again, a home game for them. And that's something that Wes Moore, head coach for NC State, talked about. That's something that Alyssa Cunane, star post player for the Wolfpack, they talked about that coming in, is that they're going to have to weather the storm because it's a road game, essentially. And UConn got this win 91-87 in double overtime. 
and I can say that score and I can go through the stats and all of that, but I encourage you to go back and watch this game. Go back and at least watch highlights of this game because no matter who breaks down this game, if you're not watching it right in front of you, you can't imagine how amazing that this game was. And I'm going to go and and say right now, this is the greatest March Madness game that I've ever seen, at least on the women's side. And it ranks up there with a ton of men's games. And I mean that wholeheartedly. This was one of the greatest games of basketball at any level that I've ever watched. And by far the best game of March Madness between the men's tournament and the women's tournament. I mean, the men's tournament has had some great games, but nothing. They have nothing on this game. I'm telling you right now. Go back and watch these highlights and you're going to see how amazing this game was. Because at the end of regulation, NC State gets a three-pointer from Kai Crutchfield to send it to overtime. They go to overtime. UConn's up three. And with like six seconds left, and instead of fouling and putting NC State on the line and assuring yourself the win in OT, Gino Oriema for UConn lets them shoot the three. And Jakia Brown-Turner, who had 20 points in this game, makes a three-pointer to get it to double overtime. And then they play another five minutes. And it looks like maybe we could have a third overtime. It looked like this game was going to go on till midnight. And these two teams so evenly matched, so good. But UConn got the win. Made their free throws consistently later in the game. Not early in the contest as much, but later in the game. And the reason that they won this game was because of Paige Beckers. 27 points, 6 rebounds here in this game. And it looked like it was going to be a typical post-injury Paige Beckers type of game where she was passing up shots and deferring to her teammates, getting a couple of buckets, but nothing spectacular. Well, in the second half and in those two overtimes, she was absolutely legendary. The way that she turned it on and just played off of her teammates, the creativity with her shot selection, it was just outstanding. From those mid-range jump shots, which she destroyed NC State with all night long, to some three-pointers, to some floaters, just getting everything going, becoming Paige Buckets again. That's what UConn needed because they would not have won this game without that 27-point performance from Paige Beckers. And she had this to say after the win. It just signifies what we've been through all year. A whole bunch of adversity, highs and lows, ups and downs. But we stay composed and we stay together. And I just love my team, man. I just love my team. Again, that was Paige Beckers on the win for UConn over North Carolina State. And they're going to be taking on Stanford, a Stanford team that we just talked about a little bit ago. Stanford is super athletic on the interior with Belibi and with Cameron Brink, who is absolutely outstanding for them, has been so consistent with the double-doubles, blocking shots. I mean, that's the one thing that UConn has to worry about is her length and her athleticism, the combination of those two things. And I think UConn's best hope here in this game is that they get Brink in foul trouble early because if she's in there, it's going to be hard for Nelson Adota and Aaliyah Edwards to like consistently go in there. But one thing that we did see here in this game against NC State was increased production from Aaliyah Edwards, 10.6 rebounds. That's kind of what she averaged last year and was kind of down early in this season. And we were kind of questioning whether she could get back up to that level. And remember, Olivia Nelson Adota and Edwards were both in foul trouble here in this game, but they provided the minutes that they needed and they provided that consistency because Dorka Juhas went down in this game and had a fracture in her hand. 
and is out for the rest of the season. So they won't have that post player in there to uh, consistently produce because Juhas was having a really good game before going down with that injury. So it's going to be up to Edwards and Nelson Adota to hold down the fort. Again, along with Becker's 27 points, Kristen Williams at 21, AZ Fudd also clutch as well with 19 points. UConn shot 48% in this game, 37 of 77 from the floor, 5 of 21 from three. That's something that they got to clean up. Also 12 of 20 from the free throw line. That's something that they also have to fix a little bit is that consistency. And something that's uh, not UConn-like is 10 assists on 37 made field goals. Usually we see UConn at least assist on half of their made field goals. Very low assist number here in this game. And if they're going to beat Stanford, they're going to need more consistency there. But just with the emotional wave that UConn is riding off of this win, you got to feel that they have the most momentum of any of the four teams now in the Final Four. So that's what's going on with the Huskies. A ton of stuff there. Number one, Louisville out of the Wichita region, 62-50 over the three-seed Michigan. Haley Van Lith, 22 points for the Carts here in this game to lead the way. Chelsea Hall had 15. Kiana Smith had 11 as well. For Michigan, Niles Hillman had 18 points and 11 rebounds. Her last college game, going out to the WNBA, and I'm sure is going to have a great career and had certainly an outstanding run there at Michigan. But the Wolverines, 22 turnovers here in this game. And at a point, Michigan was down 52-50 here in this game. And the final score ended up becoming 62-50. Louisville went on like a 10-0 run there to end that game. And Haley Van Lith, the sophomore guard for Louisville, was just absolutely outstanding yet again. Efficient shot making, the energy that she plays with, just getting her teammates involved. Again, much like Paige Beckers, finding that balance between scoring and assisting and playing with that swag. That's what Paige plays with. But that's also what Haley Van Lith plays with as well, is that swag, that confidence, that energy, and giving her teammates some of that as well. Chelsea Hall had 15. Transfer from Vanderbilt, not an offensive threat most of the time. But for her to step up very big, Kiana Smith was really good as well. And this is a Louisville team that does match up pretty well with South Carolina. They can score. They can rebound a little bit. Emily Angsler, Olivia Cochran, those two are going to have to be consistent on the interior if they want to have a chance to win. Liz Dixon as well. If all of those players can kind of gang rebound, then they can make up for South Carolina, what they do rebounding the basketball, not just offensively, but defensively as well. So Louisville, South Carolina going to be a very intriguing matchup. And it's harder to make predictions here in the women's Final Four than it is with the men's Final Four. I really can't say who's going to come out of these games. It's really hard because Stanford and UConn, I mean, either of those teams could win the game. You know, Stanford's good enough. UConn is absolutely good enough. And in the, the Louisville-South Carolina game, I think a lot of people would say South Carolina. But like Haley Van Lith said, this is a team that you don't want to face right now. This is a team that you don't want to see because of the confidence that they're playing with. And they can be a factor here. So it's going to be interesting. It's so hard to make predictions. Uh, all I can say is there are four great teams in the Final Four. We're going to have two amazing teams in the championship and uh, one incredible national champion. So it's going to be exciting to see what happens here in women's college basketball and uh, exciting to see what we have for the rest of the way. All I can say is we could not have asked for a better men's Final Four and a better women's Final Four. I mean, look at the eight teams here. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova, Louisville, South Carolina, Stanford, and UConn. You cannot ask for a better Final Four than that in men's and in women's. So 
All of this has been very exciting tonight to go all into March Madness yet again. Again, in upcoming shows, we're going to have more LR Athlete interviews. We're going to talk more with Bear Sports coming up next week in addition to what we have here with March Madness. By the time next week's show comes around, we'll have two national champions. We'll have the men's champion and the women's champion, and we're going to go over all of that as well. This has been episode number 22 of College Sports Today here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. As always, we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenoran University, the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, and WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you on the next show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.